0: Defense Department is already starting to hand down some punishments for service members who refuse to get vaccinated against COVID. Now, DOD civilians will start getting reprimanded and eventually fired if they don't follow the proper timetables for the shot. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni joins me with the latest. And Scott, let's begin with the timetable itself. What are the dates DOD civilians need to be aware of?
1: So the the big one is that November 22nd is the date they need to be aware of. They need to be fully vaccinated by that point. Now, fully vaccinated means that you got both shots, uh, getting the first one and then getting your second one a month later and waiting the two weeks for the antibodies to flourish or getting your one Johnson and Johnson vaccine and waiting for those antibodies to flourish. So, it's not just getting the shot but also the amount of time that it takes for the shot to actually come into effect that civilians need to be aware of. You know, as you as you look at this November 22nd deadline, make sure that you uh, leave enough time for those 2 weeks in between.
0: Basically, then this is the same deadline as all civilian employees including those in the civilian agencies as laid out by the White House.
1: Yeah, exactly. The Defense Department sometimes likes to do things on its own way. And uh, it has in the past because it has certain national security aspects to things. But uh, just like the rest of the federal government, they are doing it uh, just the way that they expected it to. Now, when it comes to uh, employees who are not civilians, uh, sometimes that deadline is sooner. For example, the Air Force has a November 2nd deadline. The Navy has something similar to that. And then the Army is going a little bit farther. They're waiting until December to allow their people to get vaccines. Reservists have a little bit longer, same with the National Guard. So all in all, everyone by the end of the year, basically, except for Army Reservists and, and National Guard, should be vaccinated unless they want to get some sort of punishment or reprimand.
0: And as you've reported, the uniform side of the House has just a small percentage, a persistent percentage of people that have not gotten the vaccine that might refuse to for one ground or another. Maybe they're seeking some sort of an exemption, but the bulk of uniforms have been getting their vaccines on schedule. What is the case for the civilian employees?
1: We do don't really have great data so far for civilians. What we do know is that at this point, 323,000, almost 324,000 civilians have been fully vaccinated. There's another 53,000 who have gotten been partially vaccinated. Now, you have to remember this memo has only been out for about a week or so. So, you know, I'm sure some some civilians are going to be running and jumping to get This vaccine, now that they know they have to get vaccinated. Another thing to keep in mind is that just on a national level, about 79% of people say they have gotten or plan to get the COVID vaccine. So there's a contingency of people. It looks around 20% of the nation that is either reluctant to or will not get this vaccine shot. People who have been part of this anti-vax movement are the ones that are resisting the most.
0: Well, anti-vax, or maybe just go ahead for yourself, but not me. I don't know. Is that anti right. or just me anti? I don't know, it's uh, The language can get confusing. And of the quantities you mentioned, roughly 400,000, 410,000 altogether, what is the total civilian population of DOD?
1: It's just a little over 700,000. So there's there's quite a few that still need to get theirs in the next month here. And, uh, you know, we're assuming once we what we saw from the other armed forces at least is that they got it pretty quickly once they were asked to get this this uh, vaccine. One of the things I would say is that the Air Force had a slideshow that came out. It came out through one of the Facebook groups that follows the Air Force. And it showed just really who was actually getting, uh, who, was, who was actually refusing this shot. It looked between about zero and five per installation. So this is a very small percentage of people who are actually refusing and willing to take the reprimand or possible firing.
0: We're speaking with Federal News Network, Scott Ma. Mon- And that's the question, then what will happen if they don't get the shot?
1: It's pretty severe. So the first course of action is a week long training, just kind of learning about the vaccine, the medical parts of things. After that, if you still refuse to get it, then you're going to get at the most two weeks without pay suspension from from work after that it goes to actually being fired and terminated from your position. So they're not pulling any punches on this.
0: Yeah, a long time ago, they used to show lurid films of what would happen if you got syphilis or some venereal disease to ward soldiers off of nefarious activity. I guess maybe this is the modern day version of that. And what about contractors or just other people that happen to be visiting installations? I mean, visiting is one thing. If you have to go to work there every day, that's another thing. But what is the policy in there and what's going on there?
1: Right. Well, at this point, the uh, military contractors either have to be vaccinated. Or show up to their work site with a negative COVID test that is uh, at the most 72 hours old. So if you're going to be working there every day, you're going to have to get a lot of COVID tests, and I'm sure that could get pretty expensive or pretty time consuming if you can find them for free. Now, if you're a visitor to a base, you have to show up also with a negative COVID test or a vaccination proof within the last 72 hours, or you will be subject to on-site testing. If that testing isn't available, well, bad luck. You know, you're not going to you're not going to make it in. The only people that this order does not really apply to is let's say you're an uber driver or you're a delivery service person you can just come on base do your thing and and get out they're not going to test you then so very small percentage very small amount of people that are actually going to uh, not have to have some sort of vaccine to get on base or some sort of test one other thing i would mention that the defense department really hasn't come out with much guidance on what these exemptions are going to look like and how they're going to hand them down They say that they're going to happen. They ask people to go ahead and put them in pending. And those people are really excluded from what they need at this point uh, to get this vaccination. But we haven't seen the actual guidance come down from DOD yet. So that's something to keep an eye on and see where they take this and how strict they'll be in awarding these exemptions.
0: Scott, I just had a question on an unrelated topic. While we have you, you have been reporting on still rising levels of suicide among former service members and service members. And now there's a bill, at least in the Senate, that would try to prod DOD and, I guess, Veterans Affairs to get at that problem. Just briefly tell us what that's all about.
1: This reminds me a bit of the way that the senators and lawmakers are looking at the sexual harassment and sexual assault issue, is that they're asking, well, this bill, if passed, would really ask the Defense Department to do an overhaul of how they respond to suicide issues, the training that they have in those sorts of areas, um, really just do look at the bureaucratic measures, what's keeping them from, from helping. We saw this happen with the SHARP programs earlier on and they found a lot of issues and they're now trying to revamp that SHARP training. I think they're trying to maybe do the same thing or lawmakers are pushing to do the same thing within the Defense Department at this point. And we have seen a 15% rise in suicides in the past year. Some people think the pandemic may play into that. It's undetermined at this point really, but definitely something to keep an eye on and we may see kind of blow up a bit more down the road.
0: So the bill is introduced by what committee so far?
1: So at this point, it's within the Senate Armed Services Committee, and it's very unlikely that would make it into the NDAA at this point, since they've pretty much wrapped everything up. However, senators really do have this this sort of way of once the NDAA wraps up, they start introducing their kind of own singular bills and then hope that if that gains enough traction by the time the next NDAA comes around, you can just kind of fold it in there. And if it gets enough play and enough interest from other senators, then it'll get in there. Yeah,
0: you know, just as the Red Sox are saying, there's always next year. Federal News Network's <laughs> Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out both his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson.
3: as you've mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old, uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me.
2: How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years?
3: My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it. So you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's uh, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change situations changed and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them.
2: Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them